I didn't get the golden dragon. But I returned to New York like I promised. Cut the kids off the streets. In the end, we all did just fine. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or have been slept in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. <laughs> Greg's trying out some new voices. Mm. Should I do that I think it's working pod? pretty well. Yeah. I think you should. Mm. Or not. How's lockdown, Greg? Oh, it's it's okay. Got into a bit of a rhythm. We're in lockdown until at least September at this point, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if it goes until the end of the year. It's just I don't see anything turning. I don't see anything changing between now. No. And so we, are we are in lockdown until there is an acceptable vaccination rate. That's the that's where we are. Yeah, and I've gone through. I'm I'm, I'm blasting through all the stages of lockdown coping. Like I've, uh, except for the fitness stage, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> I could use that one. That's it. I've, I've done the puzzles. Uh, I've done maybe not baking, but I've definitely like Eaten. done kitchen stuff. <laughs> I've done <definitely laughs> eaten cake. <laughs> I've been, going, I've been focusing on my culinary pieces around sandwiches, making mega sandwiches. Yeah, nice. And it's it's yielded great results. Um, I've framed things around the house, but I, I'm running out of things and maybe I should just do some work or something. But oh. Can I just make a quick suggestion off the back of that? Yes. More sandwiches. You took the words right out of my mouth because right after this, I think I'm going to hit some sandwiches. Part of what has driven this is I found the perfect sandwich bread. I noticed that. Could you tell me more it's about good that? bread? I forget what it's called, but it's down at my local super barn, um, and it's it's quite good. I think that the the best combo, the the killer ingredient I've found so far is um, just adding bacon and quince to everything. I have a question for you though. What is a quince? What is a quince? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, raise the price. I got a lot more value out of that than I anticipated. <laughs> uh, we we ah, haven't done it. any puzzles here. I've trodden on a lot yeah. of Lego. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to drink less booze this time around. Mm. Trying. I am. I yeah. am. I am. I got, I'm yeah. doing these uh, hit workouts on, via YouTube in my garage led by like a five-foot-tall I don't know, she's like, she looks quite Scandinavian, but I think she's German. Mm. On free on YouTube. She's right there. And there's heaps you of You're just them. watching the classes or are you doing this? I'm just got a bit of popcorn and a deck chair here. <laughs> uh, I've done a couple. They're very, they're, I think they're designed for someone with a svelter body type than mine. So it's it's a good, it's good. Yeah. My biggest thing with the workouts from home is um, as a tall man and. Um, yeah. I always feel like I'm going to hit something, so I find it hard to confidently do things where I get down on the floor and move around. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, The garage is good. I've started exercising in just my pants, like my, you know, like my skins or compression pants, just them. Oh. And then do you open the garage door when you've got a bit of the pump? The neighbour house I've got some interesting neighbours and they're, they've they got this uh, big yeah. window that looks right into my garage. So, I, I no, it's a bit too creepy. It'd be, I'd look like Lester in... Uh, American Beauty. American Beauty. That did pop into my mind. Actually. I'm like Lester. <laughs> I just compared myself to Kevin. He's been cancelled, so I can't remember his last name. Yeah, Kevin. we don't. 
Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. I'm losing the plot though. That's probably the headline. I think that's probably what's coming through the most uh, for both of us. <laughs> well, from me or from everyone? From both of us, from yes, both of us. Yes. I mean, again, listening back to these episodes as I'm editing them, I'm like, what the fuck is it? I mean, some stuff I edit out, but most of it I leave in. We're getting a little bit loopy. And can, uh, can you blame us? Can you blame us? Anyway, anyway. Special shout-out today um, because friends of the show, as you know, we do a Jean-Claude Van Damme film every 10th episode and we're, we're at another one today. Last time around we were supposed to do the quest. We do these in chronological order and it was supposed to be the quest, but it disappeared off the internet. Uh, off the, on, off the any, face of the earth, the, you might say. Off the face of the earth, you may say. Although not entirely off the face of the earth because Ben King, friend of the show, Ben King, and actually Legend one of the Benny. follow because he's, he's brought this episode to us, Ben King Photography on Instagram at Ben King Photography. He um, sent us a copy of this very movie. What a superstar. What a legend. So we were able to watch it. We were able to bring this um, bright spark in an otherwise dark time into our mm. lives. Mm. Um, and for our wives too. I don't know if we'll get into that, but I made Ara watch most of this um, and then sort of regretted it. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Quit your hollering. Sometimes <laughs> you've got to say that mid-movie when they you got to quit your hollering. Good <laughs> <laughs> job. Fix me a sandwich. I would never say that. No. I would say that. And quickly she'll she'll say that to you. Do. You're the sandwich king. I'm the sandwich man. Fuck, I, I have been fixing her sandwiches all week. There you go. I made a kimchi hot dog the other day. That's pretty good. <laughs> Can you just pepper this episode with various <laughs> yeah. sandwich, sandwich options? I will. That was the first little Easter egg. Uh, but today we're doing The Quest, a film that came out in 1996. 1996. Well, if you were listening last week, you would have noticed we had special guests Gerard Milligan on the program, and mm. it was a licensed to drive film. It was an '88 film, uh, Expo '88, of course, our spiritual fair. And I, I glided over it. I, I didn't really want to get bogged down in Expo with. I didn't want to freak him out. <laughs> um, you got to ease people into the greatness. So, look, it would have been a timely week to discuss Expo, given it was '88 but also with the announcement of the 2032 Games being held mm. in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, our friends in the north, Brisbane. Congratulations, well deserved. Uh, so this being a 96 film, Atlanta, Atlanta Games, Olympics, we're in the Olympics right now, ipso facto, we can still talk about this. Uh, it's linked and I wouldn't even say it's tenuous. I would say it's direct. Yeah. Now, Tristan. Mm-hmm. A few people may have been asking you, wow, oh, wow, it's clear that Double Impact Podcast has been uh, a, a, a subliminal driver in the successful mm. bid from Brisbane, given we have demonstrated to our friends of the show over a prolonged period of time the mm. ability and power, yes, ability of and power in hosting marquee events in Brisbane. 100%. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think if you remove double impact from the equation, you just you have to question would the result have been the same. It's very astute of you. It's uh it's very astute on your part. Yeah, I, I mean Frank would be aligned. It's mm. it's yeah, look we will take that and say yes, you are correct. 
Yes. One other thing I thought we could touch on, and I, I feel like this is a, a theme we could build on over time, so we'll just kind of, I'll surface it here. Okay. Um, friends of the show, if you've got any ideas, share them. You know, maybe we can get a short list together to take to Anastasia and the committee. Uh, John Coates, he's involved. He'll probably hear us out given the work we've done to this point. Mm. We should be discussing what can be reappropriated from Expo 88 to bring into 32. Yes. So, yes, yes. I'm, you know, I'm talking infrastructure, but I'm also talking branding. Um, High divers. You know, well, events, of course. Monorail. Yeah. So I think. Um, Tendone. It's good, exactly. Yes. These are very good starting points, Tristan. Yeah. Um, Think monorail, think Ken. Yeah, I like that. The platypus, what's his name? Um, Expo Platy. I don't know, I can't yeah. remember. There's your mascot. <laughs> that, fuck, they had a platypus at the 2000 Olympics, right? Platypie everywhere. How about this, Greg? I've got a suggestion for you. We've got time on our side on this one. Um, we'll be experienced, you know, audio veterans by then mm. um, with just even a deeper expertise on, on Expo 88, et cetera. Yes. Campaign 2032. Campaign to let us commentate something at the Olympics. Yeah. That's about a great that? The high diving. Let us commentate the high Just diving. Just the high diving. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Man, 96, you had the Atlanta Olympic Games. You had the Olympic Games of movies in many ways. Um, oh, yeah? I won't elaborate on that. But we had Independence <laughs> Day. We had Twister. That'll we do. had Mission Impossible. We had The Rock. We had the hunchback of Notre Dame, Jerry Maguire, which we covered, Space Jam, which we covered, The Nanny Professor, which we've covered, Romeo and Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, which we've covered, Mars Attacks, which we have covered. We're getting through them. Yeah. But I've always thought, you know, I mean, a lot of those were top 10 movies. I prefer to look at maybe the top 84 movies of a year to really get a sense of what the year was about. And coming in mm, at number 84... Yeah, yeah. You say that. In 96, yeah, was was a little movie called The Quest. Top 100. Yeah, yeah. The number 84 movie in the world came out in April of 1996. Uh, an unknown mm-hmm. budget, believe it or not. I couldn't, I could not find it. Fascinating. Um, but yeah, a it was gross return. Little accountancy work done. Well, apparently they ran out of money. Well, here's the thing, too. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's father is an accountant. Jean Claude Van Damme's father, his name is in the opening credits of this film. Oh, it's very astute on your part. Eugene Van Vierenberg, as we know, Jean-Claude Van Damme's real name is Jean-Claude Van Vierenberg, was in the credits and I was like, who's that? And then I Googled it and it's his dad. He's a producer on this film and about five or six other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So if you're insinuating, Greg, that there's some sort of creative accounting going on behind the scenes, who am I to argue with that? There's some dots there that I think could be connected. Interesting. In any case, the grossed $57.4 million. Uh, we'll never be able to calculate what Romy that is uh, without knowing 
what, what mm. the budget was. Um, so it's anyone's guess. But we do know Rotten Tomatoes scores. Would you say Would you say it's shrouded in mystery? It's shrouded is. It's very astute on your part. Is the is the very apt? Mm. Interesting. Uh, critic score of fourteen percent. Audience score of thirty six percent. For huh. reference, fourteen uh, percent critic score is one percentage point higher than Street Fighter. Horror, you can. Uh, critic consensus: Jean Claude Van Damme makes a forgettable directorial debut with the Quest, a bland retread of better heroes' journeys. Succinct. Mm, succinct. But is it accurate? We'll we'll have to we'll have to discuss. Uh, but was this a big movie for you, Greg? Uh, ish. Ish. I remember the uh, the lead up was quite big. Interesting. I remember seeing this and thinking, "Huh." Now, um, I was excited to see it because it's a. Uh, it's a tawny flick, tournament film. Oh, tawny. We love a tawny. It's a classic tawny setup. The I've got a bit of perspective on timings here. So the premise of the film is it's not dissimilar to Bloodsport in that it's a, a meeting of different styles. Mm. So 96 is kind of like really there was a lot of debate around style versus style back then. Yeah, okay. Think it's, it's early MMA days. So there's a real appetite for this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the UFC had actually started. Um, I think I double-checked and uh, in 1996, UFC 8, 9, 10 and 11 ran. Right. But the internet didn't really exist properly, you know. So kids like me were dying to see this kind of thing. This was it's quite underground. It was almost a kumite. Really, almost. And then I remembered in 96, I actually went to my first MMA event. Oh, wow. At uh, the convention wow. centre in Darling Harbour. Cool. I thought I was going to the UFC. Oh, okay. And I didn't really know many UFC fighters then. And I got tickets. My my kung fu school organized it. So a bunch of us, I took my brother and a bunch of us went um, along to this. And it was like, I was I was pretty young. I was 96. I was, I was about 14, 15. And my brother took me. He would have been driving. He would have been closer to 20. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we went along and it was just full of, People wearing the, you know, the apparel of where they train it was a bit of a, uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit of a parade. Were the black dragons there? I didn't observe the black dragons. They looked. I was fairly intimidated as a young boy. <laughs> um, probably scarier people in the crowd than in the cage. Yeah. And yeah, it was some of the guys in the because it was so early in the in the MMA um, sport. A lot of the guys in there weren't. You know, they weren't professionals. They right. were just guys that were known for being you know, good fighters at their gyms or whatever. So uh. there was a lot of guys in probably similar shape to ours that could fight but yeah, um, that were jumping in the cage. You know, there wasn't a shortage of tummies, shall we say. And uh, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, the guy, there was a couple of broken jaws and whatnot. Was, Bring back the tummies, man. Yeah. Boy Nelson, baby. <laughs> so... That was a kind of took me down a bit of a rabbit hole of my memory, but it just remembered it was pointed in the sort of journey of this idea of style versus style, which I think was kind of trying and, to land here a bit. And was was it a we talked about this with Frank Dukes. We're gonna talk a little bit about Frank Dukes throughout this episode because we, we chatted to him about this very movie. But one of the things we also chatted about was A Frank uh, suggests that the UFC was actually based on him slash named after him because he was the ultimate fight champion. Um, but also when we look at things like Kumite and we look ah, at the Quest yes. and we look at early days UFC, 
was it more a pure this style versus this style? Because versus now it's all a bit mashed up, right? Yeah, MMA is almost a style in itself. Yeah. Um, you know, guys are trained in mixed martial arts. It contains yeah. components of mostly of wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai and boxing. You don't get probably. to see a capoeira guy versus a Spanish flamenco fighter. <laughs> you do not, no. <laughs> Um, uh, there was shame. a lot more of that in the early days, but now, yeah. it's, as you say, it's a bit more of a blend. So it's a somewhat uh, more pure Ultimate Fight uh, uh, scenario back in the day. Oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. I'm more interested in that, you know? Conceptually, for Conceptu- sure. Uh, okay, maybe, it gets, maybe it's not as fun because there is one that's just better. <laughs> There's only, yeah, I think certain styles prevail in certain circumstances probably. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, conversely, this was not a huge one for me. This is sort of just this is mixed up in a mishmash of memories for me. This was this was not a, a major one for young Tristan. I feel like I saw it at Jono's house or maybe I didn't even see all of it. I get it mixed up with Legionnaire, I think, just because of the period. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had vague memories of him. Anything. <laughs> I have vague memories of Van Damme fighting in boots and that's kind of about it. I forgot to to take notes of what was the gayest outfit I've ever seen in (laughs) it. I'm pretty sure I've seen that outfit as like the staff at the bar at the Columbian, which is a gay bar in Sydney. I'm pretty sure that's like their outfit. Yeah. that came up on another podcast I was listening to about this movie. The, the <laughs> outfit is like 90s gay. But yeah. then this came out in the 90s, so maybe th- this started the trend. Remember Van Damme in his own words said... Uh, Boys like me. The, 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 gays, the gays love me. Of course they do. So the maybe, we just found, me. <laughs> maybe we just found the origin story of, um, of that Luke. Far out. That's... It's yeah, something. maybe it's. <laughs> should we just? Yeah, it's a it's a singlet, like a wife beater singlet in car, like short cargo style, but shorter shorts, military yeah. shorts if there's such a thing. Yeah, and then combat boots. Yeah, and 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 like tube socks. It's very strange. And none of those seem to have any significance to him. So he's trained him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway. It just seemed, it's, I mean, he's the director. He decided that's the look I'm going with. So, yeah. Anyway, more, more <laughs> on that later. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's let's zoom out. Let's rewind. Let's get to the origin story of this picture. Mm-hmm. Origin story. Okay, so the year is 1996. Just eight years earlier, Bloodsport came out. The ultimate fight tournament film. Uh, a year after that, Kickboxer came out. Soon after that, Double Impact, Universal Soldier, Nowhere to Run, Hard Target, Street Fighter came out just a couple of years before this one. Like boom. And Sudden Death, I think, was the last one just before this came out. And over this period we've talked, in every Jean-Claude episode, we like to talk about the arc he's been on and that first phase of very martial arts-focused films. He's the, he's the kicking man and he's the guy that does the kicking into mm, getting sure more does. into and splits. and splits, of course, of course, getting into more Universal Soldier, where he's getting more of his like true lap pack identity unfolding before him. 
uh, into Time Cop, same kind of deal. But this is sort of that point. He, his early apex has already apexed. He's not like, what's the word? I don't want to say he's. On he's the already descent. peaked. He, he, I guess he's technically on a descent, but his star is still quite bright. And he uses this to, to I guess, bring a vision to life and put himself behind the camera. Descent relative to a exponential climb. Yeah, very good point. Because this rapid, Bloodsport was 1988, right? It's only eight years earlier than this. And he made a movie like every fucking year, uh, sometimes two a year, and became a fucking superstar pretty much initially just based off his kicking. So mm. a rapid ascension is often met with, um, you know, at some point there needs to be what goes up must come down at least a little, right? Or and even plateau. Or even plateau. Um, but the quest in many ways puts a cap on sort of this. There's probably sub-chapters within it, but I think it puts a cap on this first era of Jean-Claude Van Damme, 80s, 90s superstar. And we're, I think we embark on a new chapter soon when we get into you know, double team and some of those things. No, of course. But this movie, interestingly, has a pretty uh, both highly expected and unexpected origin story. <laughs> Go on. Uh, because, you know, you may have observed that this film has a little bit in common with Bloodsport. Uh, there's, some, there's a bit of Kumite energy to it. Just a bit. Which makes sense when you consider that according to Mr. Frank Dukes, he actually wrote the initial script an initial script that was called Enter the New Dragon, <laughs> the Kumite. Oh. Now we spoke to Frank about this when we interviewed him. We did? And um, we did. <laughs> I had to go back and check. I forgot. It was all a blur. <laughs> it was a blur. It was a blur. A oh, my God. Schmear of Frank. <laughs> and um, I've got a clip here from our very own podcast because – it's, it's fascinating stuff and I, I won't do it justice just reiterating it myself, but he talks about basically his writing relationship with Jean-Claude Van Damme, with Sheldon Letitch and how that kind of fell apart on Double Impact but then how he came back into the fold on this one. Okay. 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 And I refused to to work on Double Impact writing any more than I already did. I said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of you guys taking credit for all my work and you're making me less and less and talking bad and I want nothing to do with you. And then it took a friend, a mutual friend by the name of Frank Mattioli that they called up and Sheldon called me back and trying to get me back to work and then that's how we ended up with the quest. Right. Uh, and, okay. I wrote, and I wrote that script and I had the script done and then they brought in Ed Kamara to write it with me. Ed Kamara is a very well-respected writer in Hollywood. He wrote uh, Lady Hawk. Um, he wrote the Bruce Lee story that, that yeah. uh, the dragon yeah, yeah. it was called mm-hmm. he, he, a number of, of, of films. And uh, we wrote, we wrote it together. And then of course I watched exactly the same uh, MO. Yeah. You no know, sooner than I turn in my script, here comes Sheldon. He rewrites it. Then comes Mel Cosby. Then comes uh, Mel Friedman and Chris Cosby. They rewrite and before you know it, I'm like so far in the back burner, nobody remembers me and knows that it's my stuff. But, and it was ridiculous. So you really did a comparison between what was, I wrote and what they wrote. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, you can't, it doesn't, 
It doesn't fall under the legal term plagiarism, okay, the legal definition, because you can change like 10% or whatever. But the meat and guts of it, that, that was my story. That was my dialogue. It was my character development. And that's what got killed. And they turned really a, an A script into a C script. Oh, yeah. When you got done with it. And it was, it was the, all chaotic. Yeah. Was the quest based on any of your real life experiences as well? Or? No, the quest was actually based on, this is the interesting thing. The quest, the original script was based on the JD scale, which people wouldn't even know about. You know, and most people don't know about. Right. But it was, they were a very famous gang that roamed through China, Shanghai, etc. And they were also kind of there's a legend around the Kumite with them associated with them trying to steal the gold dragon, which was which was the prize in the in the in the movie. But in mm. real life, it was a gold belt. Traditionally, right. when you won the Kumite, you would either get a sword or you got a gold belt. Mm. One of those two things things you would get. Whatever they had, yeah, available on the day. This year you get a bell. It's like a but Lionel it was a fake, type. It was a fake one anyway. Of course they give you a fake one. <laughs> yeah, do you have to sell them back the bell? Yeah, you do. Remember you said that. So yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot to unpack there that we, we're not going to unpack right now. But um, I, 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 side note, I do. I'm working on a uh, basically anod- annotating. Is that a word? Depends on the rest of your sentence. Yeah. <laughs> on the YouTube channel, Pop Critic, I'm working on sort of converting that interview into a mini doco where I chunk down the main things we talked about and then elaborate on them, dig yes. into some of the things he's saying, like the Black Dragons, who are they, are they real, etc. Some of the things he's talking about there around the Kumite and, and all that kind of shit. But anyway, that's coming soon. It's it's a work in progress. It's quite labor intensive, but it's my it's, it's my the quest cool. in many ways. Yes. And um <laughs> it's your opus. It's my opus. Um but interestingly, this this movie is another Kumite movie. This is just as much based on his experiences in the Kumite uh as Bloodsport. Uh and stealing the 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 the, the what's the word? The, that thing, that plot device that is the, the golden dragon is based on the prize you win at the Kumite, which apparently is sometimes a bell. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, but dragon's cooler, so it, it makes sense why they changed it. Uh, but Sheldon Letich has no connection to this movie, so I'm not sure why he mentioned them. And some of those names, the official writing credit goes to Stephen Klein and Paul Moniz, Moniz, uh, um, plagiarists, which I don't think he mentioned there, did he? But uh, but potentially, Dukes does get a story by as does yep. uh, Jean Claude. So credit where credit. I, I'm a, I'm a story byman myself. Oh, so no disrespect here. We we and respect the story by. That's 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 the sign of of. Um, that's the that's the idea. You've made it where you can just go. Is you guys could do something with this, and then just tell me. It know. is my dream to be Spielberg's a story by a professional story by. Yeah, I just want to be a professional story by guy. Mm-hmm. Sit around, I make a sandwich, epic sandwich with some quince in there. Sandwich by, sandwich by, and then as I eat and I ponder, lo and behold, out falls out a story by. And um, I think I can make that happen. So Hollywood, if you're listening, but I also say this because I know since we post some of that Frank Dukes stuff up on uh, the YouTube channel, there's a lot of naysayers and that kind of thing. And I will reiterate here what I reiterate there, 
which is whether or not he's telling the truth, it's kind of irrelevant because it still ends up being a story bite. These stories we love have still come from him, whether they're true or not. So that is man's significance right there. It's very true. It's very astute on your part. Yeah, might even say yes. that. Yeah, I would have if I had the machine in front of me. Exactly. Now, most interestingly, we haven't really talked about it yet, this film is directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme himself, although, according to IMDb trivia, he did offer it to Oliver Stone, um, who politely passed. I think, well, I think he had conflicting schedules. Yeah. He was, he was. He was um, off doing cocaine. He was doing some research for Scarface too, yeah. (laughs) So directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme, again, talking about his arc up to this point, it makes sense and it's kind of glorious that he's doing this. But interestingly, it's not the only film he's directed, Greg. Did you know this? He's directed a few films. Go on. His credits include a film from 2000 called Kumite. Never heard of it. Also a film called Frenchie that's also known as Eagle Path, I think. Um, from 2009. Mm. And they also had The Tower on there, but I think that's the movie that hasn't come out yet. Remember he was talking about yeah. The Tower? Yeah, why have they got The Tower on there? Yeah. And Maybe he's offering that to Stone as well. <laughs> They're in talks. They're in talks. Mm. Um, They've got something in common. What's that? <laughs> Hollywood. Greg tapped his nose. Uh, <laughs> what? Very, very stupid of you. Um <laughs> now apparently there's a bit of a debacle in, in the making of this movie, maybe hence why there's no bloody bloody budget on the record for this because mm. it sounds like they ran out of money. And Roger Moore, um, who of course stars gloriously in this film alongside Jean-Claude Van Damme, said the second unit director, Peter McDonald, was the one that actually ghost directed a lot of this and made it actually work. Um, you may know Peter McDonald from Rambo 3, Mo Money, and upcoming Jean-Claude Van Damme movie on the podcast, Legionnaire. Oh. Yeah. Now, similar to the Oliver Stone piece, um, the first choice for the female character, the one female character, was Madonna. (laughs) And what a character. (laughs) And what a character. She's there at times. At times. (laughs) Intermittently. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the... uh, We'll get into it. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, can you imagine someone like it. Madonna going, "Yeah, I really <laughs> I, <laughs> res- this character resonates with me." Yeah, yeah. All right, so running out, out cast: Jean Claude Van Damme as Chris Dubois, Roger Moore as Lord Edgar Dobbs, James Remar as Maxine Devine, great fucking name, Janet Gunn as the role that would have gone to Madonna, Carrie Newton, Jack McGee as Harry Smythe. Aki Aliong as Kao Prahayan and Abdel Kisi as Khan. Mm. Mm. The Mongolian fighter. I didn't know it was Mongolian. I just thought it was ethnically ambiguous. Abdel Kisi, Michelle Kisi's brother, of course. Yeah. He is Moroccan in real life. Yes. Uh, Michelle Kisi's brother. Yes. Otherwise known as Attila. Attila the killer. Yeah, there you go. Attila the killer from uh, Lionheart. Okay. Wrong wrong bet. bet. Wrong bit. Uh, so uh, an OG JCVD mate from way back. Oh, and Lewis or Louis uh, Mandalore. I mentioned him. He's one of the gangsters in the beginning because he's Australian. Oh. There you go. Wow. But, you know, you get these people, you get them to, you know, 
have a tussle around in the sand there, turn the <laughs> pants into cutoffs and um, put some boots on, put your fighting boots on and uh, go to work. And you got yourself a movie, Bish Bash Posh. Shall I play the trailer? Please. When did you learn a fight like that? It was long ago. On the run from the law. Check the cargo. He's here somewhere. Move it. Uh. Captured by gun runners. A story. You work for us. Put him in chains. Uh. Who the hell is that? What's your name, son? Christopher Dubois. Mine stops. Floor stops. Hurry up, man. Sold into slavery. Chris Dubois, United States of America, the best fighter I've ever seen. Be ready at all times. You will learn that. He wouldn't give up until he found a way to win back his honor. The best fighters will meet to compete in the Lost City for a dragon made of solid gold. I tell you what, you get us to the Lost City and I'll make sure that we come back with the gold. City, we greet our first heroes. The quest. That's a fucking cool trailer, man. Yeah. That's yeah. a good trailer. You got Optimus Prime narrating it. You, I mean, this is where you do the plot synopsis, Greg. But following up Peter Cullen, man, and an epic yeah. trailer like that. It's, it's a very, tough. it's a very descriptive trailer. You know, I've actually got quite a long synopsis today. Well, it's it's a lot to cover. There's, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. So I thought it's I would start. Begins three it. times. Sorry, go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought I would start with a quote from the film. Ah, nice, okay. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. (laughs) It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Christopher Dubar. (laughs) From the opening scene... Viewers know they're in for a treat. A film of scale, (laughs) of substance, and of grandiose. Mm. Tristan, Christopher Dubois Mm. is many things. Pickpocket, acrobat, orphan, father figure to orphans. The artful dodger. Which one? Clown guy. Clown guy. Clown guy. The artful dodger meets Kurt Sloan. Lover, fighter, wise old man. (laughs) We open on an ageing Van Damme. His resemblance to Frodo Baggins cannot go unnoticed. (laughs) Much like Baggins, he has a tale to tell. A tale of a different kind of ring. A fighting ring. Mm. 
After dispatching several thieves trying to rob the bar he's entered, the barman asks, where did you learn to fight? His response? It's a long story. It was long ago. It's one of those two. <laughs> now, Christopher's Dubois' A long story, time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away. away <laughs> which I will now, uninvited, tell you about. Whilst fleeing old time in New York, face painter Christopher Benoit is put to work as a stowaway on a cargo ship. The cargo ship is then raided by a pirate led by a retired James Bond. Yeah. Bond promises to redirect him back to the United States, but instead sells him to Muay Thai Island. Not Muay Thai, Muay Thai Island. <laughs> now, within six months, he's transformed into the best fighter the world has ever seen. Six months down the track, Bond and his offsider are taking a young lady to a Muay Thai fight, and who should be in the ring there other than Benoit? Dubois! Now, but he's got a, sh- a shaved head now and bigger abidabbas. He's got a clean fade, like a nice... Yeah. That's, oh, I might cut my hair like that. Strong buzz. <clears throat> uh, I look forward to touching on the, very, the many faces. Yeah. Now, Benoit confronts Bond and his posse and they make a deal to get Benoit to this kumite called Gang Gang. Mm. Got some more on Gang Gang. Pretty sure it's a Lil Wayne song. Where he can win a giant golden dragon. Yeah. They take the girl with them. Uh, she takes one look at Sweaty Van Damme and insists she's got to be there in parts. I'm in. Yeah. And they intend to steal the position of the heavyweight world boxing champion, Max Devine, who's been invited to this committee. Yeah. Uh, and then the next 30 minutes is pure tawny action, followed by an unexpected cameo from a blimp. <laughs> uh, it's also a love story between Van Damme and the girl that's occasionally in the film. She's there at certain points. At certain points. And at the end, after he wins, he puts her arm around her. They're obviously a couple. They've like, been through so oh, much. That, yeah, was there something there? I didn't think there was. <laughs> well, apparently. There's a lot goes on. I think... Much like jazz, Tristan, the quest is about the notes that they don't play. It's very astute on your part. Okay. So think of it through that lens. And that's to the friends of the show as well. Don't go in expecting to be delivered something. You have to think in this film. That's true. This ain't no Christopher Nolan joint. You join the dots. Yeah, you join the (laughs) dots yourself, sir. Mm. You, you pause the movie and maybe add a few more scenes to, Amazing, to round yeah, out the in plot. Your, in your little head. And you can <laughs> draw mind. pictures if you want. In your mind. Tristan, may I, may I ask you first, sir? Yeah. How was your rewatch? Uh, I was very entertained. Uh, not dissimilar to um, the female character in this film. The female character in my house, uh, my wife, Ara, <laughs> was thirsting hard. Over uh, what I guess is arguably peak Van Dam, um, when he oh face paint Van Dam, no facial hair Van Dam, stowaway. Um, no, that, I thought that was the peak. That was peak Van Dam for me. Van Dam mm. in clown makeup and stilts. <laughs> oh. Man, this Stop is new it. territory. Uh, but no, she. I mean, maybe it was a power thing too, because I was when he was a slave. She thought he was hot. And um, Carol said the same. Yeah, I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue. <laughs> like. 
it's kind of a bib. And he was mm. wearing like at one point he was wearing like a like a crew neck long sleeve thing that looked like it was off the latest season from uh, Basic. So mm. it, was, it was very astute on his part. He's quite, he kind of had a bit of the um, – I think he got it from the, the, the Bodhi collection of uh, Yeah, he did shop in the Bodhi collection <laughs> of Basic. When are they dropping that, by the way? Was that this year? No. When was um, Point Break? Ages ago. Yeah. Anyway. Now beyond that, Greg – uh, the overall, I, I enjoy. Look, I'm always going to enjoy a Jean Claude Van Damme film for obvious reasons. Mm, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme reasons. is, yeah, he's in them and he's great. So let me preface everything I'm about to say by I enjoyed it and I like every Van Damme movie there is. Having said that, <laughs> mm. this one was assembled in such a way it was a little <laughs> confusing, <laughs> and there were like things that just like. The pacing was strange. Yeah. Like they hand out the they hand out the scrolls for the tournament, a tournament that you won't even hear about existing for an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just it seems it's. I mean, I knew where I was going, but if you if you haven't seen this before, that just seems it's an odd odd thing. Um, but the execution of the other scrolls, I'm into it. I'm into the handing out of the scrolls and breaking up. Um, suspenders man in in Paris, France. It was very uh, Mortal Kombat. It was, and and very how I imagine the mysterious Kumite organizations would roll out such a carefully curated invite list. Mm. Um, but then, and then, in addition, it sort of has like you know, it's often these movies, you know, like a, like a, the Princess Bride. They have these framing devices where it's maybe someone telling the story in the modern day about something that happened back then and it's like sometimes there's a thing at the end, how do I know this story? Because it was me. There was a bit of that energy going on here with mm-hmm. him and as old man Van Damme. But it's, it almost had two of those framing devices. So you had like Van Damme, old man Van Damme introducing the story, but then it goes to New York, which is still like the thing before he does the other thing. So it was all a bit like... I don't think you needed both of those things. And, in fact, I don't think you needed New York at all. If, you, if you're going to stick with the old man, you could remove New York and it's no big deal. But then how would you know that he was supportive of the children? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like he had a checklist, isn't it? Um, we can get more into that in a sec. But um, but overall, I think just as as a cultural artefact of the, uh, the mid-'90s Jean-Claude Van Damme, ooh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. How could I not enjoy it? You know, it's, mm. it was it was quite fun. What about you, Greg Carney? Well, yeah. Look, I, I I enjoyed it. I was a little, still a little. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was intriguing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Coppola had Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Hitchcock had Psycho. I guess Tristan. Would you say that this is Jean-Claude Van Damme's magnum opus? I think it reeks of him thinking it is as he's making it. Like this is this is him thinking he's making his Oscar bait movie. Yeah. The many faces. Yeah. And the way like the the tropes just unfold before your eyes in such a way. <laughs> yeah. Where it's just like you, you, it's very transparent what he thinks he's doing with this. Like you have his Muay Thai mate where there was not much development of their relationship really who dies at the hands of um, the Mongolian. 
And as soon as he steps up, you're like, well, he's obviously going to die. Like it's just, it all just like hits all the notes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but he, but so poorly because he, yeah. he was There's on no that island there. for six months. Yeah. And we don't see much of it. We, we, we don't see really any of any bond forming between him and this guy. And this guy's gone to the Kumite and he's dishonored him by also going yeah. back channel. Six months is not a long time, Tristan. No. And what I do, it was hilarious though, when he runs up and smears the guy, dead guy's blood on the titty. Yeah. He just goes, <laughs> Is that what he was yeah. doing? He was smearing the blood on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like you know hitting someone with a with a glove. Like I challenge you to a duel. Yeah, he gave him a bloody duel. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, what? So, how do you feel, Magnum Opus? Uh, look, yeah. Sorry, we digress. Um, how do I feel? Yeah, it, <laughs> it was a it was a busy collection of things. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. tried to solve a lot of things. It should have just been twice as long. Like if you're going to do all those things, they can be done. Not in 90 minutes though. Like this, this should be a three-hour epic. They ran out of the money. And they ran out of the money, it's true. But it feels like it should have been a three-hour film because then you have time. Spend time. If he's on Muay Thai Island for six months, like show us the training. Pull the bloody strap yourself to them palm trees again. Like yeah. all that kind of shit. Not one little kicky scene on the beach. And show us this relationship you've forged with the other Muay Thai fighter and why yeah. that scene is so – I mean, it's heartbreaking anytime someone dies, of course, but I'm talking about the art of film here, you know? Because mm. otherwise – Yeah, because otherwise you've got three separate movies here all mashed into one, I reckon, because you could just have mm. – you could have Clown Boy with the kids in New York as a whole movie. That would be a fun movie. Peaky Blinders Van Damme. Yeah, you could open this movie just with Van Damme as a slave on a ship. You don't know how he got there and it doesn't matter. Mm. To the point where, you know, it has all these, it, It's the movie starts three times. You get to the point where literally I'm watching it. I was finishing it last night. It's like five minutes left and I'm like, Here's, how are they going to tile it? How is he going to get back to New York? And he it's doesn't. Money. Well, he, he doesn't. He's golden dragon. Yeah. And he just says, and, and in the end he goes, I didn't get the golden dragon, but the kids got off the streets anyway. <laughs> what does that mean? The kids it's just got like, off the streets. Well, it's just like, the street, so then show us child? that story. Like, what? then they're not, they're not relevant to this story then. It's just like, yeah, but it worked out somehow. For the kids. <laughs> For the kids. Like, how? That's a, that's a story in itself. Anyway, uh, again, I, I, may, I sound like I'm being negative, but there, there are some pluses here. On the plus side, you've got oh, Roger yeah. Moore. You got Roger Moore the pirate. You got Roger Moore, uh, uh, colon, blimp heist. <laughs> mm. I haven't seen many blimp heists. <laughs> I've seen seldom, seldom blimp Especially heists. Especially a bungled blimp heist. Oh, <laughs> is that for maybe the Heisenberg? Was that the Urim? No, what was the one that Nurem? Fuck. It's definitely got a berg in it. <laughs> not not Heidelberg though. Isn't that the art school of Nuremberg, early Australia? I think Nuremberg round sounds right. That's the most bungled. Um, I assume that was also a a blimp heist. Um, well, do you know where there was a blimp heist in <laughs> Indiana Jones? Of course. Oh, really? He stole a blimp and then it had the Nazi flag on it. Remember? Ah, oh, vaguely. Tickets. <laughs> <laughs> no? I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> 
Man, we've got to do the next one. Actually, we'll probably add that to the sequels pile. Oh, yeah. Maybe we're doing a sequel special coming up, people. Just maybe. So, yeah, I enjoyed it-ish. Carol, less so. I think I would like to just see a bunch of short stories of Roger Moore and his mate stealing shit with blimps and stuff. Smiker than I. Yeah, like their pirate adventures. The f- what about the fighting? As as our resident martial arts expert, hmm. what do you what do you what do you got to say? A little bit on this. On this. Um, so this is an interesting before you know. This is an interesting rewatch versus the original type scenario. Actually, because yeah. younger me, I would have been right into probably the, some of those flashier styles, like seeing capoeira. Yeah, that's me. I'm into that, the capoeira. Always will be. Eddie am- Gordo. Yeah, the- <laughs> and the animal kung fu guy, yeah. But I, now he's a monkey. Movie, <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> he fights like a monkey. <laughs> I uh, I just couldn't get my head around the whole boxer thing. So yeah. this guy is the heavyweight champion of the world in mid nineteen twenties. Yeah. So context for that, around that era, Jack Dempsey was the heavyweight champion of the world. You've okay. heard of Jack Dempsey, I'm sure. Uh, it sounds you know familiar, but this is this is not my area of expertise. So Jack Dempsey is widely regarded as a top ten pound for pound boxer of all time. Okay, of all time, of all so time. He had an extremely aggressive style. He had heaps of KO power. Uh, this guy, I think, is meant to be Dempsey, right? Like he's the heavyweight champion of the world at that time. Yeah, he basically gets. A little leg kick from Van Damme and then becomes Van Damme's gimp bitch for the rest of the whole movie. This guy is a better fighter than this man is a better fighter than I am. Well, he's a boxer. Might have been the first kick he's ever seen. Maybe. You can can do that? Yeah, it makes no sense. These these boxers back in the day were (laughs) hard as nails, man. They used to go for rounds. It's crazy. There's no, uh, there's a few moments like that where I rewound it because I thought I'd missed something. It's like, wait, why does he think he's the best fighter in the world? And I that there's nothing there. And even, nothing. even when Roger yeah. Moore picks him up, he thinks he's the best fighter he's ever seen before he's even had the training. So it's, yeah. I don't know like, why. He, did, he, did he learn to fight on that island? Yeah. Like it's, it's six months. You can't learn how to fight in six months. Yeah, it's weird. It's just strange. And, and not only does, um, what's the, what's the guy's name? Sex in the City guy. Yeah, Sex in the City guy, James Remar, uh, as Maxi Devine. Not only does he just, for whatever reason, and you know you know what? If he needs to bow out because of mental health, I respect that, you know. it's I mean, This was 100 years ago, I guess, but we're at a point now in culture I think we, we can, we yeah, can we accept had, that. We hadn't reached that point. But um, not only does he suddenly say this guy's the best, he's better than me so he can take my place in this, and if he loses – I have to stay here forever. <laughs> like he puts his whole life on the line. It's so weird. It makes no sense. It's strange. This guy just, I think he must have seen Bearded Dam and was just, and went, I'm all in on this sexy beast. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else makes sense, Tristan. It's interesting too because of the, the fighting overall. I um, I rewatched just some highlights from Bloodsport today because I know we all love Bloodsport. There's, there's no secret about that. It's a fucking great time. On the technical side, it's probably not a great film, capital F kind of thing, but it's a it's a great movie. But in rewatching how they handle the fighting on that, 
and I know we talked about that maybe technically it's not the best fighting, but in terms of just the momentum and and the build up of yeah the whole movie and the emotional weight, yeah. they do such so a great much. job of um, they show just a montage of all the different. You, you still get all that that beautiful um, excitement around the different styles fighting each other. But it's more of a, a montage. Like there's the day two of the fights and it just shows everything and it's fucking exciting. Mm. Whereas in this, it just feels very like um, functional. All right. Flat. Next up we got this guy versus this guy. Um, slap, 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 punch, punch, punch. This guy wins. Hey, okay. Mm. Now next up, you know, there's no – it's very boring. Having said yeah. that – well, I don't say the whole thing's very boring. But relative to the excitement you're getting, you know, fight to survive. Yeah, they don't have the Kimite song. You're not getting any of that. A, but what we do get downfall. What we do get from an audio perspective, Greg, is something quite spectacular. Um, and that is the sound of the sumo getting punched. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Hang on. Bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> Comical. <laughs> like, why? It's hard to. <laughs> as I was listening to that through my headphones, I hope it translates because it's, I don't know, without the visual context, it might be hard, uh, friends of the show, when you're hearing that. But man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, this, you can't just, you can't mistake it when you're watching the film. It's, yeah. Because it's synced up perfectly to slow motion jiggles. Like, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Is Muay Thai Island a real place or is this like a Kokomo thing? Because I've Googled it and they seem to exist but it seems like post-1996 as camps and things. Um, Yeah, look, no. You went to Thailand, a Muay Thai camp, didn't you? Thailand is Muay Thai Island. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I did. Yeah. What was that like six months and you won the Kumite? Yeah, I did, uh, I did about six weeks. Oh, okay. So you probably just won the Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't even fight. I was lame. I just went there and trained and drunk Thai, cheap Thai whiskey and partied. Oh. But I did train a lot and get beaten up a lot, similar to a little less um, gang bashy yeah. than uh, than Van Damme. We didn't train on the sand either. We we just trained in a sweaty little gym that was low tide on hygiene. It was yeah, awesome. right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, six months, there's plenty of guys there for six months that are probably not going to be Kimite champions. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not Jean-Claude Van Damme. They're not. Correct. They're not Chris Dubois. Um, that's that's the, the key ingredient, I suppose. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the, the Thai guys, yeah, in this situation, I'm I'm backing those Thai guys that have been there for a while to take out Dubois. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Jean-Claude. <laughs> yeah. I know you like try, to try and whitewash a bit of Thai culture here and there, but i gotta, I got to go with the Thais. I've got to back the locals, Tristan. You're a man. You're, you're an ally, you know. Mm. I was meant to go back to Thailand last. Back to Thailand. I was meant to go to Thailand last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd planned it perfectly. Go family trip. I can go and train in the morning, just for an hour or two at one of the gyms, and then still have full days with the family. Yeah. Did a monk God. show up with a scroll for you? 
I, I reckon that's where it would have happened. That would be cool to do. You know, if you if you had a bachelor party in Thailand, that would be a cool way to invite everyone. <laughs> it would be a great idea. Yeah. All right. Next oh. marriage, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, last week, Greg, was it last week? Two weeks ago, when we did cliffhanger, we talked about that uh, that interview on the promotional tour for Cliffhanger where. Um, where Stallone opened up a little bit about how he felt a little trapped in, be, in being so directly tied to a box office result for someone that started in, you know, what you could really consider to be more of an art house film with, with Rocky and even First Blood being trapped yep. in. And we talked about how what we love about Stallone and some of these stars back in the days, they were coming from a place of, believe it or not, whether you love their art, a place of wanting to make art. Yeah. And I, I definitely put... Van Damme in that camp too. Like when you talk, when you see him talking about oh, these things. Oh, he 100%. Prior to that conversation around Sly, we always said that was yeah. Van Damme's role in the lap pack. He's the emotional one. Mm. And he talks about these things with such passion, not commerce, you know, mm. and you juxtapose that with right now fucking. That's what he's got his this, dad for. The CEO of bloody Dwayne Industries, The Rock, is out there promoting fucking uh, Jungle Cruise, like it's his latest business venture while also cross-promoting Zao Energy Drink and the, whatever the tequila is. All this, His Facebook's insane Simona. right now with all that stuff. And you know, I like The Rock. He's fine. But there's something that is just far less enjoyable, enjoyable about someone who is so transparently chasing this as an entrepreneurial business venture. He's starring in something for uh, purely driven by commerce, it seems, versus someone, whether or not he succeeded, that's fine. But Van Damme is doing something here where he thinks he's making the thing he wants to make artistically. This is like his something he wants to make for the world. He thinks the world is going to love this. Don't get me wrong. He loves money. I'm sure he wants to make money off this thing. But you, there's something in this. You can see he's wearing his heart on his sleeve with all of this. Oh. Totally. Even the music at the beginning that, like, I yeah. if I'm being brutal, it's probably a little bit misplaced. But yeah. that opening scene with him as as Bilbo Baggins, yeah. when that, it's like this orchestral finale sort of sound. And then when you first see him as the clown, he looks up, you know, it is the clown. Like that, yeah, you can't see our faces right there. But that, it is like, it's like he's planning the trailer. He's making the movie for the trailer almost. But I was also thinking because also since we last talked about this, I think Fast 9 came out between then and now. And um, I realised Vin Diesel is similar. Mm. I'm not as big of a fan of Vin Diesel, but he's definitely got that same vibe where he's coming from a place of thinking he's making art, which I've got to respect. He's coming from that place. He just happens to have found himself in the perfect franchise to, to channel all of that into that just works like all those family. Like he is, <laughs> he is one of the major creative forces behind that franchise. You know, we always talk about what could have been sometimes with, with Van Damme. I would have loved if he'd found something like that to really channel all this stuff into because he because ah, Van Damme. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just want more damn. Yeah, I just want more damn Van Damme. Yeah, and I think the the thing on Vin Diesel as well is that it's maybe it's. When we talked about it the other week, it was like a light bulb went off in my head a little bit. It made me realise what I was missing a little bit with his modern action stars. And in realising yeah. that about Vin Diesel, it did make him go up a couple notches in my brain. Like, you know what? Vin Diesel, you're all right. 
Okay. You're all right. All right. Uh, I haven't seen many of his movies. <laughs> but I respect him. We, we could the do fact Boiler that Room. That might be one of the good ones, hey. He's got a couple of good ones. Boiler Room come out? Saving Private Ryan. Boiler Room came out in, oh. Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Boiler Room came out in 2000. It's got Giovanni Rabrizi. We could watch that. Yeah, right. We could do that. It's got Nia Long. I'm in. Hey, Tristan, you touched on it earlier. Um, look, there are a couple of, um, shall we say, issues mm. with, uh, I guess, um, well, casting choices around race, um, mm. uh, the female role in this film. It's, there's, there's, some, there's some things probably worth flagging here. Yeah. Uh, how, do you have any points of view there? Well, I think from a from a gender point of view, it is one of those ones that's more just uh, guilty by omission. There's not there's nothing too harsh. I think I had the old um, and it was very unnecessary. Oh, I'm a reporter. My father owns the company. I mean, ah, uh, that's a good point. The old got the job, the classic trope got the job because my dad's the boss. Yeah, that's a good point. But I was thinking versus something like Kickboxer where his girlfriend gets raped by the bad guy in order to motivate him for the fight. You know, like it's that's probably a few steps Ailing. worse. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, but it's the 20s, baby. <laughs> this movie was 20s. made in the 20s, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and on the race thing, I, th- I would say at least they're consistent with their the kissies. <laughs> the kissies. Well, you know, there's a. I mean, they don't even get an American to play the American. Good point. Is he not American? It was a Canadian or something. Uh, JC. Oh yeah, so sorry. I thought you meant. Um, I thought you meant Sex in the City guy. Um, that's not a bad segue. Should we do the JCVD test? I think so. Yeah. Okay, so JCVD test is where we measure the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie against the universal plot synopsis of all Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, at least the ones we like, Um, which goes a little something like this. Jean-Claude Van Damme plays an American who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land on a quest to seek revenge. Sorry, on a quest. (laughs) That's a ding. I don't have a ding button anymore. On a quest to seek revenge for a fallen loved one at the hands of morally corrupt racial stereotypes. But he's about to find out. Training to fight his enemy means facing the enemies within. And slowly doing the splits. He also gets his buns out. Now at first glance, before reading that, I fire up this movie and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this is bang on. But actually as you break it down, there's a few elements missing. Mm. Okay, playing American air quotes. I think he does a good job of not being American but being an American. His last name is enough of a clue that, okay, he's got an accent from somewhere. Is that, then, do they give any colour to that in his, because there's these little random flashbacks at unexpected times to him as an orphan getting lost. Or played something. by his son, by the way. Oh. Does it look no like way. him, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess was he in another country when that happened? 
I have no idea. I couldn't quite. I didn't, I didn't get a takeaway from that. So that's another thing. There's I was hoping you did. Flashbacks within flashbacks because oh. the whole movie is a flashback. The old right? Dublay flashback. Getcha. Which is done in Bloodsport too. Um, mm. Aren't you a little old for video <laughs> games? So on the one hand you could argue that his accent is explained but on the other hand then he replaces seamlessly to everyone else an American. But I guess to non-Americans in the 20s maybe that's close enough. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, but he doesn't get the buns out at all. Scandalous. And he didn't really have a love interest. That lady was there and it wasn't until right at the end he put his arm around her after he won. Like she was I know. Surprise. She was thirsting from the moment she saw him. Well, she's only human. Of course she was. But yeah. there was no – he didn't even know she existed really. Well, uh, he didn't even show you his buns. You've got to play the notes, Tristan. Yeah, playing the notes includes showing the buns. Correct. <laughs> and he didn't do it. No splits. <laughs> no splits either. Yeah, just a few spinny kicks. Yeah, high waisted pleated pants. I feel like it gets a pass because it's the twenties. Did have the mm. short shorts, so I guess that's mm-hmm. just. But but it, what what he lacks in those areas, he makes up for in foreign lands and racial stereotypes. I would say. Oh, it's rich. <laughs> it's rich. In Everyone's those areas. fighting style is so closely aligned to their nationality. Yeah, but not. I felt it was inconsistent. Like the Spaniard. Yeah, is basically. <laughs> He's a matador. That's the one that was in my mind, yeah. Because that's not a fighting <laughs> style. I'm not being ignorant, right? I don't think that's a fighting style. I'm not aware of it. Not that I'm an expert on the matter, but I'm not yeah. aware of it. Yeah. Do you know that was played by Peter Malata, though? Peter Maluda? Malata? Who was in Double Impact. Where, yeah, he wore the spurs on his boots. He had the kicks. He wanted that great fight seat in the, bl- in the dark with the blue light. I was like, yeah, I was like, wouldn't it have been a nice little homage mm. if he wore the spurs as a matador. I feel a matador could wear spurs. Yeah, why not? I mean, why not? Whatever. Who's going to say otherwise? <laughs> the six matadors that have seen this movie? No. <laughs> yeah, and you would have saved on, you know, I know there was budget problems. They could have <laughs> saved on sh- shoe wear costs. Yeah, dust off the old. They'd done that before. Cyborg was, um, what were those costumes? I think they were from He-Man 2 or something. There you go. Yeah. Um, and you're right because there's something that part of what I like about this movie is in many ways, I mentioned before, it's like it puts a cap on this early era or mid era Van Damme. It's a midway point almost maybe in his yeah, bulk of his career. Yeah, thank you. Um, but also because it touches on many of the the pieces he's done before, oh. I guess in a lot of ways Bloodsport, but the, the guy you just mentioned as well. And Kickboxer. And kickboxer. It's a bit of a pastiche of mm. of Jean Claude greatest hits. In Representative a way, of his journey. Which I like. But sometimes, Greg, it's a fine line between pastiche and parody because sometimes, especially with the opening as an old man, this almost starts to read like a Zucker Brothers spoof of a Jean Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does, right? Like it's, yeah. oh, my God. I sent you that thing earlier this week which just serendipitously popped up on my feed, which was the short film that Mr Burns made at the Springfield Film Festival, which yeah. was a bit like this where it just it's Mr Burns heavily borrowing from big epics that have come before. <laughs> there's a scene of him that's basically E.T., there's a scene that's basically better and he's the hero in all these scenarios and it's just like yeah. it's pretty Propaganda. close to what's happening here. It's we're not all the way at the room territory, but it it's not that far off at certain points. 
I, the, the, I think the opening, the old man bar scene out of all of them is probably the one that is the funniest. Like it actually is mm. funny. Cup of coffee? Thank you. From around here? Long time ago. Things sure as hell have changed, huh? Well, things change. Why don't I just put a little taste of whiskey in that coffee? What do you say? That's nice. Why is he pouring in whiskey? It, it's it brings over. it brings down the whole thing quite a bit. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's like you have you you haven't watched the American Office, have you? Not well. I know of it, but you'll probably get the idea. But in that, Michael Scott, the American version of David Brent, makes a movie called Threat Level Midnight which is an, an idiot writing a spy movie, which has some similar things here, including the framing device of an old man explaining the story. Yeah, really? Think of the <laughs> film equivalent of David Brent releasing that song a couple of years ago. Like it's that. It's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Did you hear much about the Roger Moore versus JCVD stuff? No. I wasn't able to get any specifics, but apparently they didn't get along. Oh, I'm sorry uh, he, to hear that. He did not have a good time on this movie. Yeah. He um so I I couldn't find anything. I could I think even in his autobiography he doesn't say much other than that he doesn't like him. <laughs> and I found someone again, I always feel like embarrassed to say this cuz I haven't read the book, but I found someone who had read the book that said something about it. <laughs> they said of Roger Moore's autobiography, he fails to dish much dirt on anyone other than his deep loathing for Grace Jones and Jean-Claude Van Damme, but coyly drawing a veil over exactly why. <laughs> uh, so coyly. So coyly. <laughs> oh, man. Should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like you to answer the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. This is a fine line for me. Uh, as I mentioned before, with the Van Damme ones, of course it doesn't hold up, but the other factor for me is like if I'm going to choose out of all the Van Damme movies, which ones would I would I include in the box set to to convince a friend of Jean-Claude Van Damme's awesomeness? This one is on the edge, man. It's tough. At first I was like, yeah, you know what? Yes, because he directed it and it's part of the Jean-Claude Van Damme. <clears throat> but then the other part of me is like, but you have to really like Van Damme to get the most out of this. Mm. Um, but then you got Roger Moore. To, I'm on the fence, but I would say at the very least, it's like a special feature in the mix where it's like you know if you really want to go a bit extra, you're watching Bloodsport, you're watching Double Impact, you're watching Universal Soldier, you're watching Lionheart. I would argue you're watching Time Cop, and you want to just get the that little bit extra. This I'll throw this one in the mix. It's better than Street Fighter. Better than Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it's hard to discount the the cultural event that was Street Fighter as well. But I'd rather watch this, I think, than Street Fighter. I don't know. What about you, Greg? Uh, it was okay. It was yeah. 
It was trying. Yeah, if he didn't direct it, I would say uh, give it a miss. I mean, it's a Van Damme movie, so I'm always going to say yes, watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's no Bloodsport, baby. Yeah, that is a fact. Bloodsport is electric, man. Mm. When they're doing those fight montages, they show the whole tournament, which is great too. Here it's like you see eight people fight. There you see so many people when they're really fighting. you got them kicking each other's armpits and all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, a cultural relevancy test. Did Simpsons do it? I don't believe so other than <laughs> Mr. Burns making his movie, which is an eerily similar hero's tale. Who owns? <laughs> Van Vieren Buerg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> porn parody, I don't think so. Bechdel test, certainly not. FX test, you know what? Yeah, I'd say overall. It's a crashing blimp. And actually the opening And the makeup, shot, the makeup to make him look like a Mongolian with the ponytail there. <laughs> At least they didn't do the eyes this time. Um, Semi. Like his brother. But um, mm. the opening in that New York on the stilts and they, they kind of zoom out and there's that panning mm. shot. That's quite cool. That felt very mm. high budget. All the money went to that. Mm. Face paint. Expenses. And you know, the the pirate stuff, like that was all pretty yeah, fine, special effects yeah. wise. It didn't look outdated. It didn't visually look outdated, really. Yeah, it went downhill after Muay Thai Island. Yeah. Overall, probably. Mm. Mm. MVP? Oh, JCVD, baby. Oh, yeah. I was going to give it to Roger Moore. Yeah, well, you go to hell. <laughs> You're a Roger Moore guy, though, aren't you? I am. I sure am. He can have low key VP. Oh, there's Seymour. Um, what are we doing next week? I don't even know. What are we, we doing? We don't even know. We're going to release our playlist over the next uh, week. Giving you can you, play along at home. So you can play along at home. We're not just going to announce these week to week anymore. We're going to try and release a batch at a time so you can watch them if you want to watch them. We'll try and let you know where they're streaming in most countries. Yeah, we're going to do all that. We're going to make it so easy for you. We'll basically watch it for you. <laughs> well, we already but do if that. if you don't want that, <laughs> this would be the opposite of that. But, yeah, we want you guys to play along at home. Uh, we heard mm. that in the feedback. You need more um, uh, lead more time, cowbell. more cowbell to watch this along with us. So we, we hear you. We hear you. Um, but until then, hey, we're on Instagram. And you can find us there, chat to us. And anyone that's having, you know, it's lockdown can be tough. We're always up for a chat. If anyone's, anyone needs someone to talk to, we're here. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll see you next week. Go the Tigers, playing in 15 minutes. There you go. Go the Tigers. Did they win? I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. We will have, we will know by the time you're listening. <laughs> All right, Matt. All right. Bye. Bye.